Well, we had a wonderful week here at VBS, and the kids had fun, as you can tell, and the leaders are exhausted. I wonder why. <laughs> so you know that it was a great week at VBS. So today I have the privilege of sharing with you this morning a whole recap of the week, and then we get to teach our final day of VBS as part of our sermon today. So every good VBS has a great theme, and the theme this year was food truck party on a roll with God. The food truck party VBS um, was based on Matthew 6:11. Give us this day our daily bread. And this reminds us that everything that we have comes from God. But it also calls us to turn to God in prayer for our daily needs. So here goes your recap. And half of my little chefs have disappeared. <laughs> I think it's been a long morning for them. So I might need some of the adult help as well. All right, so on day one, we learned that God is great. And we learned that um, when we learned about the story where God provided manna and quail and exodus. When we are saying that God is great, we are saying that God has the power to do great things. The book of Exodus definitely reminds us of God's greatness. Exodus is all about the story of God delivering the Israelites from slavery in Egypt into a land that God would provide for them. The journey to this promised land was long and difficult, as we know. Now, one might think that after witnessing the plagues that took place in Egypt, that the Israelites would never forget how great and how good God was. And after they witnessed the parting of the Red Sea, you think that they would never forget that God loved for them, cared for them, and would do anything to protect them. In Exodus chapter 15, we even read that Moses and the Israelites sing a song to the Lord, proclaiming that he is highly exalted, that he is their strength, he is a warrior, that he was majestic in power, that he shattered the enemy, that he was majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, that he worked wonders, and that in his unfailing love, that he will lead the people that he redeemed. So who would have guessed that by the end of chapter 15, they were no longer singing praises to the Lord, and they were complaining to Moses and Aaron about not having enough water. And that brings us to chapter 16, which our story is found in today. The Israelites were complaining now that they were hungry, rightly so. They even longed to go back to Egypt, where they were slaves under extreme oppression. But scripture tells us that at least they had food there. So they didn't mind the oppression because their bellies were full. The Israelites took their anger out on Moses and Aaron, blaming them for this difficulty. And Moses and Aaron reminded them that they're complaining to the Lord. Isn't this so true of how we sometimes respond to trials? When things are difficult, when they're not going our way, when we don't have what we need, we start grumbling and we start turning to the people around us to grumble to them, hoping they'll join in and validate us. And we start trying to place blame on other things or other people instead of taking our needs to the Lord. 
But we know that the Lord heard their complaints and he sent them food every morning and every evening, kind of. Right, kids? He gave them very special instructions about this food. So kids, can you remind um, everyone here, what did God send for the Israelites when they were in the desert? Manna and quail. And did he send it every day? No. No. Not on the seventh day. So let's talk a little bit. Were they allowed to collect as much as they wanted each day? No. No. God gave them a specific amount to collect. And were they supposed to, like, collect all they wanted so they had leftover for the next day? No. No. What happened if they collected too much? It had maggots in it, and it smelled really, really bad. But there was one day where they could collect extra, and that was on the sixth day. That's right. So the Lord instructed them that he would provide extra for them on the sixth day because on the Sabbath, he didn't want them to go out and work and collect the food. But the Israelites didn't really trust God again, and they went out on the seventh day, some of them, to look for food. And did they find any there? No. So God provided food for the Israelites for 40 years in the desert. And remember, kids, how we talked about that God uses food throughout the Bible to teach us about more than just food. In fact, in John chapter 6, Jesus compares himself to the manna. Christ is our daily bread who satisfies our eternal spiritual need. God wants a relationship with us where we turn to him every day and say, Lord, you are great And today I will trust that you will provide all that I need. On day two, we learned that God is good. And we learned about that through the story of Elijah, the widow, and her son. Now, Elijah was the first in a long line of prophets that God sent to Israel and Judah. In fact, Elijah might be considered one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. This story can be found in 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, at the time, Israel was experiencing a great drought, but we read that God continued to provide food and water for Elijah. Eventually, the brook that he had him by would dry up, so God sent him to a place called, do you kids remember? Zarah? That's right. That's kind of hard to say, isn't it? Where God would use a widow to supply food and water for Elijah. As Elijah approached the town gate, he saw a widow there collecting sticks, and he asked her for some water and a piece of bread. Now, little chefs, do you remember how the widow responded? Was she excited at first to share what she had? She was worried. That's right. She was worried that she might run out of food. You see, she only had a little bit left just enough to fix one last meal for her son and herself. And scripture tells us that this may have been their last meal before they died. But Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So the widow chose to trust Elijah. And what happened, little chefs? Did she run out? No. Not until the next rain. We also talked about this week, as we talked about this story, that it's really easy for us to be generous and share what we have when we have plenty. 
when we have an abundance. But sometimes when we find that we might have little or might be lacking, we start to hold on to what we have and we don't share with others. God's goodness means sharing what we have with one another, knowing that through our sharing, God will always make sure that there's enough. Now, on day three, we learned that we thank God for our food and for many other things, and we learned about that through the story of Daniel and his friends and King Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter one, we learned that Daniel and his friends were captured and taken to Babylon. Daniel and his friends, his friends were commonly known by their Babylonian names. And kids, do you remember what their Babylonian names were? Guys have remembered so much from this week. So Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had selected Judean men like Daniel and his friends to serve in the palace because they were thought to be the best of the best. And King Nebuchadnezzar thought he deserved to have the best of the best. So as part of this special training, King Nebuchadnezzar would feed the men in training the finest food, the finest drink, the finest wine from his table. But if you've heard this story before, you know, according um, to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself in this way. God had caused the official to show favor to Daniel and to make this exception. But the chief official was a little worried that if Daniel and his friends were not eating the food from the king's table, that they might start to look worse than the other men. So little chefs, do you remember, what did Daniel propose to the chief official, the two things that they would eat and drink? Yes, just vegetables and water for 10 days, and we decided that if we were only eating vegetables and water for 10 days, that it might be a little bit difficult. But God sustained them, and after the 10-day test, the four men looked healthier than all the other men who had been eating the king's food. It could have been so easy for Daniel and his friends to partake in the food from the king's table, but Daniel and his friends instead chose to honor God with what they ate, They chose to eat from a different menu so that no one would mistake who was to thank. By refusing the king's provisions, they were making it clear who they served, the one who really provides all that we need in the first place. On day four, we learned that by God's hands, we all are fed, and we read about when Jesus fed the 5,000. The stories of manna and quail and the widow at Zarephath, and Daniel and his friends are all examples in the Old Testament of God providing for the needs of people through miracles involving food. In the New Testament, the ministry of Jesus continues to display this characteristic of God, and the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 might be one of the most famous ones, or one that's most well-known. Jesus and his disciples were in Galilee around the time of Passover, and a large crowd, more than 5,000, bless women and children, children, we learned that this week as well, they were gathering to hear Jesus teach. He asked one of his disciples, Philip, how he thought they should feed all of these people, already knowing how he was going to provide. Another 
disciple Andrew found a young boy who brought five loaves of bread and how many fish? Two. Two. Jesus took the bread and the fish and he gave thanks for their meal and passed it out to everyone there. Now, little chefs, I'm wondering if you remember, was there enough food for everybody in the crowd that day? Yes. In fact, the Bible tells us that there was more than enough food. Everyone was full, and there were 12 baskets of food left. As we read through this story, we notice all the people that God chose to involve in this miracle. And this week, we especially noticed the little boy who maybe appeared to have very little, but came forward with what he had in faith. The need for food still exists today, and we know, unfortunately, that people all over the world are going hungry despite there being enough food for everyone. And this was our um, challenge to the kids this week, because the good news is, is that Jesus invites us to feed his people who are hungry. Just as Philip, Andrew, and the young boy helped Jesus feed the multitudes, the kids, this whole body of believers, the church, can work together to provide food for people who need it. Because when we pray, by God's hands, we all are fed, we are not only acknowledging that everything that we have, including food, comes from God, but we are reminding ourselves that we can be God's hands and help feed others. This week for our VBS project, uh, mission project, we partnered with the McPherson County Food Bank and we did a food drive and the kids brought so much food throughout the week that will be shared with those in our community. They also had the opportunity to pack blessing bags that will be going to Colorado next month uh, with the high schoolers as they intend to engage. And as the high schoolers um, come into contact or meet up with people who are in need. They'll be sharing those blessing bags that our kids made for them. We also talked about the many other organizations in our town that are the hands and feet of Jesus by providing for the needs of people. We talked about the McPherson Housing Coalition and how they're providing shelter for those in need. We talked about Churches United and Ministry that continues to uh, provide and meet needs for those in our community. We talked about the benevolent offering that you all give here once a month on top of the general offering that you give to the church. And this money is separate from our budget and it's set aside to help meet physical and financial needs for people. Unfortunately, you guys, you are so faithful to give that money, but you don't always get to see how it's used. And so I can promise you, and Kim is here and she takes phone calls um, every week, sometimes daily, um, people needing assistance. And so that goes to people, like I said, in our church and in our community. All right, that brings us to day five. And like I said, you guys get to experience what the kids got to experience each day. I've recapped the first four days, but when the kids heard about the Bible story, they experienced it at the Bible station story room. Um, station each week and we had a special Bible story station crew that helped with our story they would share it with the kids in a fun and unique way so I'm just gonna set it up for set it up for you and then we'll get started 
Today's stories in the final chapter of the book of John where, John, where Jesus reminds his disciples that God loves us and wants to love others through us. But I don't want to give any more away. And so kids, we're going to get focused like we did in the Bible story room. We're going to dive into the Holy Bible. That's right. And we're going to see what God has for us today. the Sea of Galilee. The water is calm, but our friends, the disciples, are troubled. Do you notice that someone is missing who was with them in our last story? Jesus is no longer with them. Not long before this point in God's great book, Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. And without their master to send them in the right direction, the disciples didn't know what to do with themselves. Nothing. Where do you want to go? Nowhere. What do you want to eat? Don't care. So the disciples climbed into their boat and they sailed out about 100 yards from the shore. Let's cast our nets right here. I've got a hunch. You and your hunches. Not a single fish. What a surprise. All right, all right, all right. Maybe the holes in the net are too wide and the fish are swimming through. Nothing's wrong with the net. I made it myself. You're just not casting it out far enough. When you cast a net, are you remembering to do that thing with your mouth? You know, like this? It sometimes helps. It helps scare the fish away. Well, this went on all night. And the next morning... Any fish yet? No. Oh, did you try? Yes. Oh, oh goodness, I'm sorry that I asked. Um, meanwhile, someone came and stood on the shore. They should have recognized him immediately, but they did not. Have you caught anything yet? No. no. Try casting your net on the right side of the boat. You will catch fish there. On the right side? How's that going to help? Just give it a shot. What have we got to lose? I think it's stuck. It's not stuck. It's just heavy. I think we caught something. We can't pull the net into the boat. There are so many fish. Hey, that guy over on the shore? It's the Lord. You mean Jesus? Hey, Jesus! Peter, what are you doing? Come on. Let's follow him in the boat. Make sure he gets to the shore in one piece. Bring some of the fish you've caught over here. How many fish do you
think we caught? I don't know, 153? That was oddly specific. Come, have breakfast. So the disciples sat down around the charcoal fire and ate. None of them could bring themselves to ask for sure who he was, though. But they knew in their hearts that it was the one that God sent. Jesus took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. And they were just finishing breakfast when Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus just called Peter by the name he had before Jesus called him to be his disciple. Simon, son of John, this is an important question. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Then Jesus asked Peter the same question again. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Tend to my sheep. Jesus asked Peter the same question a third time. And by this point, Peter was feeling a little sad that Jesus kept asking him the same question. He wondered if Jesus believed him. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. God sent Jesus into the world to preach and to teach, to help and to heal. Jesus sent his followers, Peter and the other disciples, to help others realize how amazing God's love is. We can reach out to God to pray, give us, Lord, our daily bread. And we can reach out to others so that they may also experience the daily bread of God's love and blessings of enough to eat. Let's give our Bible story crew a hand. Ben wasn't sure how to swim on stage, but I think he figured it out. So Jesus gave Peter three chances to state his love for Jesus and to answer the call to feed my sheep. And Jesus wasn't talking about actual sheep. He was sending Peter into the world to share God's love with everyone. In this conversation, Jesus gave Peter the spiritual food of forgiveness and the great mission of sharing God's love. And Jesus is also giving us forgiveness and the great mission of sharing God's love with everyone, everywhere. Now that's a big job, and it's going to take more than just one short, once-in-a-lifetime burst of energy. In fact, it's going to take more than just food to sustain us in the lifetime of mission of serving God and serving others and sharing his love daily. You'll need an ongoing supply of spiritual food to do this important work. When we pray, give us, Lord, our daily bread, we are saying that we are going to trust God to provide what we need to do the work of sharing God's love in so many ways with everyone, everywhere. God provided the disciples with fish and bread on the beach after his resurrection. And Jesus showed Peter that God provides for us even when we fail. And that is good news.